This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 25 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm John. And I'm Max. Max! Yeah, what's up? How's it going? Back. It's back oh. again. It's so good to have you no, here. No, stop. Stop doing that. Shady's back. <laughs> no, Tell a, a friend. Person. Isn't that the, how it goes? You're a very <laughs> terrible person. <laughs> All right. Whatever. Um, welcome back, Max. Yay! It's good to have you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super great. All right, cool. We didn't ask, but uh, that's good to hear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Max, so full of himself, telling us that he's super great, even though we um, didn't care. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, today is part four in our series on Leonard Nimoy as a television star, where we are going to look at his fifth television series ancient mysteries now john can you describe ancient mysteries for the audience well fittingly enough it aired in the 90s so you could say that it's in search of the next generation uh, from my standpoint so uh, i like that there you go yeah it's basically that what what we said about in search of but later (laughs) Yeah, it aired from 1994 to 1998 on A&E. See, it was classy. Arts and entertainment. <laughs> yes. Um, it was an hour long as opposed to a half hour long, which I think In Search Of was. And um, it really is kind of like exactly like In Search Of, just with sort of a more 90s feel to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, Leonard Nimoy hosted it. Apparently, he didn't host all of the episodes, but he hosted most of the episodes. And um, it really is kind of an extension. A lot of the topics which they dealt with were rehashes of uh, topics which were dealt with on In Search of just 20 years later. So maybe more info or, or whatever. And um, yeah, kind of, kind of the exact same thing. So this could make for an interesting episode. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll start with you, Max, since you haven't been here. Um, hey, what's up? <laughs> now, do you have, I, I take it you've seen In Search Of. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched that when I was a kid. Yeah, um, were, you, were you a fan of that? Uh, I don't know, I never really thought about it. I suppose, like, later on in life, I'd look back at it fondly, like, oh yeah, I remember that, that was that show, where, as a child, I could follow along with the scientific reasoning and go, exactly, yes, nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so, when Ancient Mysteries uh, began on on A&E in 1994, were you aware of its existence? Um, on the day it aired... Um, I have no idea. I was aware of it at least in the time it was on. Okay. Somewhere and in that window. It? I did. I watched some of it. I don't remember when or how, but it wasn't like a thing where I was like, oh, there's an ancient mysteries on. I better watch that. Yeah, that's the thing. No, it was like A&E was a thing 
I had it, and occasionally there would be a thing on that I would watch. Mm-hmm. And okay. if it was about some weird stuff, I was more inclined to not change the channel. All right, all right. So, so what are your thoughts on Ancient Mysteries now that you've uh, revisited it for this show? It does not hold up. <laughs> okay, why not? Well, I don't know. I suppose in some ways, like the so the, the the cynical, you know, uh, like analytical part of my brain is you know more developed, and I really want them to justify weird stuff with serious investigations. And I'm sort of um, disappointed by the uh, the lazy manner in which people research things. Yeah. Like, I want them to prove that aliens built the pyramids. I don't want this maybe they did. I want hard evidence. I want Polaroid photos <laughs> of aliens leading a, a, a thousand slaves to build pyramids. Yeah. I don't know why the aliens are into that. Who knows? But but ancient mysteries is is uh, it's frustrating because it's sort of sloppy and it's not a great produced documentary series. Okay, it's a little bit worse than In Search of. All right, all right. What what did you think about it, John? Did you watch this when it aired? Like you you watched In Search of or? Oh not? no, no. I was uh, I was way too busy in in the nineties. I was leading the. Uh, the life of a uh, jet-setting young man traveling around town, uh, having many <laughs> adventures and camping out for things like the Star Wars re-releases. Yeah, yeah lots of girls, right? Yeah, all over the place, man. Yeah, like you that's wouldn't right. believe. Oh, and, you know it, man. <laughs> and also watching the delightful adventures of Picard's crew uh, on the big screen. Yeah. Who wasn't? Yeah, well, everybody that I knew. Girls. <laughs> But, uh, no, you know, this was basically, I, I think I became tangentially aware of it because I would, you know, go and, you know, see my folks and my dad was a big fan of things like A&E. And I think there was one time where, like, I showed up and he was watching it and I said, is this in search of? And he said, no, it's a new show. I said, oh, well, all right. There's nothing I would really deviate from Max's opinion of this. I would actually give points to in search of because it was shorter. Like they were doing some, you know, specious logical exercises in, in search of, but at least they were doing it quickly. Whereas this format seemed not to be as, uh, pain free. It was too long. I can kind of see that, you know, like I was watching an episode uh, today with my wife and she's like, man, this show is long, you know, but her reaction to it was very similar to what I was talking about last week with In Search Of, where she's just like, oh my God, this stuff is fascinating, you know, but then you think about it and you're like, it doesn't make any sense, No, but you totally do buy into it while you're, you're watching it. This one, I don't know. I mean, from what I've seen of the two shows, which admittedly isn't much of either, it seemed like this one did a slightly better job at uh, bringing in the opposing viewpoint. Like, um, I watched the Bigfoot episode of this, for example, and um, there's uh, a lot of people who are like, you know, um, 
So I suppose that, you know, for hundreds of years now, this has been just a giant hoax and people have been dressing up like Bigfoot to scare random people driving through for, I don't even know why they would do that, but whatever. I mean, that does not seem very plausible to me. Obviously, there's a creature in here. And then, like, the guy starts getting into, like, great detail about, like, um, their social groupings and stuff like that and, and how this guy, you know, dominates the pack and then kicks out all the other males and he goes wandering and everything like that. And then, like, it cuts to, like, a another, like, zoologist or something like that who just is, like... How would he even know that? That doesn't make any sense. Why would he think that? That's ridiculous. You know? Which, it doesn't seem like there was as much of that on In Search Of. It's just kind of like, this guy over here doesn't believe it. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, but we're not going to talk to him too much. You know? Okay, fair point. See, that's just, but that's just silly. Because there shouldn't be an opposing viewpoint to an idea. Like, the people who want okay. Bigfoot to be real should go, like, I don't have any hard evidence, but I will find it. I will find it. Well, they were definitely doing that, you know? I but mean, they're not were... doing it. They're, they're, they're justifying things poorly. Like, I want them to prove it. I, I'm tired of shows where they're like, yeah, we found this hut, and there were two hammers there. Why would he have two hammers? Obviously, one was for his alien partner. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I want yeah. proof. I don't want opposing viewpoints because there's not a like a, a a viewpoint and the opposing point when you're dealing with something that's either true or not true. Okay. It's silly. All right. All right. I mean, looking at this, you know, comparing it to in search of, I mean, if someone were to say like not if I didn't know the history of In Search Of or its air dates or anything like that, and I knew nothing about this, and you were to show me an episode of In Search Of without any titles and then an episode of um, Ancient Mysteries without any titles, I'd be like, wow, this show has been on the air for like 20 years? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I would, I would think that it's the same show. Um, perhaps maybe just kind of like looking at the topics discussed and, and maybe they were boxed in by the, by the title or whatever, but maybe, um, ancient mysteries is a bit more geared towards, uh, mythological things. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, like Greek mythology or, you know, anything like that, but like mythological in that, you know, they're ancient mysteries, Whereas In Search Of would deal with, you know, like Marilyn Monroe or Lee Harvey Oswald. Or the coming ice was, age. They dealt, with the, they dealt with the coming ice age in In Search Of. Oh, did they? Okay. They did. Yeah. yeah. Last but, winter. Yeah. But they, they didn't, I mean, they. it seems like they didn't do that with ancient mysteries, at least from what I, I came across. Um, well, but, no, I mean, one is, one is you know history and one is whatever man it's all good yeah lee harvey oswald might have had esp might have been a bigfoot we don't know yeah there's no yep. evidence that he wasn't bigfoot no no there's not um so yeah i mean I, my reaction to this was pretty much the same exact thing i don't know it was kind of weird more than anything to see how you know it kind of changed with the times in terms of formal stuff you know, like the fact that they were, you know, 
an hour long instead of a half an hour long, you know, and it's like, oh, well, we, we have enough, uh, whatever, enough time to, to support or enough stuff in here to support an hour. At least uh, they thought they did. Yeah, I, I would say that really what it was was uh, like the 90s were the big cable television explosion. And so th- when they pitched the idea basically of bringing In Search Of back on the air, they were like, yeah, but it's got to be an hour, guys, because we have a lot of dead air to fill. And so yeah. please make it an hour long somehow. I could see that, you know. And there's no reason why it can't be an hour long show. Uh, although I do kind of like the lean and mean half hour format of In Search Of, like you were saying, John. You know, um, this it, it it does seem a little bit bloated at times, but I mean, it depends on the the subject as well. Um, but I mean, just other things like like there's there was one part in well in that Bigfoot episode where you know they say like the legend of Bigfoot goes back to Leif Erikson when he came over with the and, and all this stuff. And there's like one part where they like <laughs> start reading like a. Uh, a journal entry from some guy in like 1893 or something like that. And, you know, they cut to like a voiceover of like a guy and it's like (laughs) something that's like straight up out of Ken Burns, you know? Yeah. And it's like, Oh wow. They're trying to make this legitimate by, um, echoing, you know, an aesthetic from this dude who is very popular right now, you know, in, in very well-regarded circles. Yeah. So that's strange. But Would, um wouldn't it be great if you found out going all the way back to Leif Erikson that Bigfoot was like the ultimate prank and like when whenever somebody finally finds Bigfoot and quote unquote catches him and finds out that he's just the guy in a costume, it's like, Aha, you have done well. The costume <laughs> is now yours and you must go around <laughs> until somebody finds you. It's almost like uh, the Tibetan thing with having to find the Ponch and Lama or something like that. Once you find Bigfoot, you become Bigfoot. But, it, but like it's that. not like it's not like a mantle that's passed to you. It is actually a supernatural curse, <laughs> like the werewolf or something. Yes. Okay. Like you, you, you find the were- you find the Bigfoot, and then that Bigfoot gets to go back to his life. <laughs> yeah. But you become Bigfoot. I endorse this idea. I like that. You know. Maybe it's like they... it's like playing tag, but like where being it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you look at it in the time frame and everything like that, we're due for another round of this. I don't know what we'll call it. You know, I mean, there's already an in search of ancient mysteries. That was like the first thing that they they did. But it's time for another revival of this format. Uh, so maybe we can incorporate that into the next uh, Bigfoot episode this time around. That would be yeah, awesome. it should be it should be an animated series and not a documentary. Okay. All right. That's I cool. like that idea. Yeah, no, but like you have you have a real person who's narrating it or hosting it and they're yeah. walking in front of like a green screen with the animation of what they're talking about. <laughs> Sold. I mean think think of the what you save on production value alone right there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can like have a research budget that's basically just for cocaine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Isn't that yeah. what they all are for? <laughs> so, um what about Leonard Nimoy's involvement in this show? Uh both in terms of uh his performance if if you will and then also just like we were talking about last week why he would do something like this because I think those two things may have changed ever so slightly. 
Now, uh, I mean, John, you know, we talked about this last week and how, um, you know, Nimoy, well, lends credibility to to a show like this yeah. because of his uh, persona and, and his portrayal uh, of Captain Spock or Commander Spock at that point in time. And, you know, people, it, it ties into the fan base and people, you know, tend to take the character of Spock seriously and by extension Leonard Nimoy you might listen more to what he has to say than you know someone else so uh how how do you think that that may have changed and uh uh, either grew or shrunk um for ancient mysteries I you know I think that probably for ancient mysteries when they came to him and you know, asked him to be on it, it probably was, I would imagine, more of a, eh, sure, I did this sort of thing before, why not? Like, I, I don't I don't see any, I, I, w- I have a harder time mentally, I guess, uh, sort of like defending or doing the gymnastics necessary to sort of justify his involvement. I could honestly see this just as him sort of shrugging and saying, yeah, I've done it before, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now, Max, I mean, you know, what what do you think about his involvement in both, you know, In Search Of and this? Like, we were talking last week about how, you know, at least to me anyway, it seemed kind of strange that he would associate himself, you know, someone who is so uh, particular about the types of, of uh, projects which he's associated with, and then for him to sort of uh, become the face of something which is really just a bunch of like weird crackpot ideas as opposed to, you know, hard science or, or hard fact, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, and like d- one out of 10 of those things is actually all true. <laughs> right. So like, did, I mean, did you find that to be strange that, that he would do that for in search of? Well, I mean, like there's actually like, I, I recall like a little bit here and there of Leonard Nimoy actually mentioning like, is his involvement in in search of and, and basically what i heard was like he thought it was cool mm-hmm. and and i and i got the impression that he didn't really think about how when like the putting leonard nimoy in the role of the narrator for this thing makes it sound like god is telling you something and you should pay attention because yeah. Like that character of Spock has like sort of like it, it imprinted in my brain for sure, and I remember reading Philip K. Dick essentially espousing how Spock was such an inspiring force, his representation of like dispassion, but like a passionate form of logic. Like, of course, he's the voice of this crazy nonsense because when people hear it, they go that doesn't sound like crazy nonsense now that I'm hearing him say it. Yeah. So, like, I'm not sure if he was aware of how significant that effect was, because I've never heard, I never read anything or heard anything of him saying, like, yeah, I should be careful with what I put my name on, because I guess it counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of the flip side of, of what he would normally do. You know, there is a lot of, like, I don't believe in this project, so I'm not going to associate myself with it, but not so much like I need to be careful 
what I'm associating with so as not to present it falsely or something. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm not sure if he really realized how he was he, he was an element in the, the legitimacy of things and mm -hmm. him being involved in it changed that thing in some fundamental way. Right. And I don't, I, I, you know, I never heard him mention anything about that. But I, like, I remember hearing him say, like, you know, In Search of was just neat. He was, he was interested in crazy ideas and fringe theories. Like a lot of people who are into science fiction. Like, there's a part of us that does just straight up want to believe. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that he would be into it because he was into science fiction. Yeah. So now, you know, that I mean, what you you were just talking about there is really sort of gets to the heart of in search of and his involvement with that. But now, with the, this sort of return to the format with ancient mysteries, I mean, what what do you think about um, his involvement with that? I find it strange. Don't you think that he would have figured out in the intervening decade and no, only about a decade, right? Yeah, probably only from beginning to end, or from end yeah. to beginning. Yeah, yeah. From end to beginning. Yeah, yeah. okay, that makes yeah. sense in a really super weird way. Yeah, um, he would have thought in that intervening time, uh, In Search Of wasn't a particularly um, responsible series, uh, and maybe people keep bringing it up not because it had good ideas, but because I made it sound rad. Maybe I mm -hmm. shouldn't be involved in something so silly. Um, you know, but... Uh, I guess he didn't think that way, which in a way is good because it means that he never really, you know, realized how important he was, which I think is necessary for somebody with as much significance as Leonard Nimoy, and certainly that holds true for William Shatner. But maybe it's also possible that when they brought the format to him for this and they said it was an hour and we're going to bring opposing viewpoints, he was willing to yeah. revisit it to say, oh, okay, well, it's not going to be a quick, you know, 30 minute yeah. show we're, we're going to present a balanced view of everything and then the producers basically lied to him and he was already signed <laughs> to the contract yeah yeah and maybe I even like just the theory. fact that it was on a and e and everything too you know that might have lent some legitimacy to it yeah. i don't know yeah, yeah we're gonna have a guy that says bigfoot's real and then we're gonna have a guy come <laughs> out and say that bigfoot isn't real see balance <laughs> yeah I don't know. To me, like, I can kind of, I mean, once once he's sort of, like, through the door of In Search Of, it's not really a big stretch for me to see him doing a, a show like Ancient Mysteries because, to me, it sort of has become part of his persona. Just like you do see him doing a lot of, like, weird little sci-fi projects uh, after Star Trek. And you see that with, like, a lot of the Star Trek actors and stuff. In a sense, he's kind of been typecast. And and it is kind of at, like, a slow point in his career. I mean, he definitely wasn't doing a lot of acting at that point. He was probably focusing more on directing than anything else, and he wasn't doing much of that either. So I can see him kind of saying, like, well, this is, you know, sort of like what I did before, and this is kind of what I'm known for, and, and I enjoy doing that, and this is nice and easy, and I know, I know the score going into it, and I'm going to uh, just do this thing that I've been doing. And yeah, the studio is on the way which... to my gym. Everything right, is exactly. convenient. I can record all of the episodes <laughs> in a season in like 45 minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
So why not, you know? Um, so I, I can kind of see him doing that. It's not as big of a stretch as uh, In Search of seems to have been from the beginning. Um, but now what about in terms of his performance in this one? I don't know. Do you guys see a difference? Because I kind of see a difference, but I don't know. Maybe it's, I'm just looking too hard. But but what about you, Max? Do you see sort of like a difference in his performance in Ancient Mysteries, if you want to call it that, as opposed to his performance in um, in Search of? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I definitely think that there's a difference. I think in some ways it's just, like, sometimes it's just maturity. And you can kind of hear, like, that he isn't trying as hard. Yeah. Because he knows that that you can hear it. You can sense it. You know what trying means. You know what it feels like. And you know that when somebody's trying, it's because they need to. He knows mm -hmm. that he doesn't need to. Yeah. By the time he gets to Ancient Mysteries, he knows that you don't need to push it. The drama's there. Well, he's doing Ancient Mysteries around the same time that he's doing, I believe, the monorail episode of The Simpsons. So I think there's mm -hmm. a self-awareness there <laughs> of, you know, this is, you know, come on, guys. Let's I, I'm having a little bit of fun, too. You know, because like, yeah. that, yeah. you know, and there was also there was even a, an episode of The Simpsons that made fun of in search of an ancient mysteries where he was yeah. hosting the show. And, and it, it was the X-Files episode, right? Yeah. And it was, it was the X-Files. Yeah. Where Mr. Burns was glowing green in the uh, in the forest every Friday night. Oh, dude. Spoilers. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the aliens, Mr. Burns. Mulder <laughs> and Scully would be so disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys. Uh, there definitely seems to be sort of more uh, self-assurance in, in Ancient Mysteries, and he kind of uh, nails it more, whereas, like, in Search Of, he's, like, being overly dramatic and, you know, really sort of playing up uh, the um, the the mystery you know of of whatever the the topic is here he's just like this is crazy it's bigfoot guys isn't that insane wow <laughs> you know also he he had a much better look in this show than he had in in search of you know in search of he's got like the mustache and everything yeah you know in this one he kind of like grew into that that sort of maturity and maybe it's just that the 90s you know, had it had a better style, you know, being like a, a 60 year old in the 90s is 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 a better look than being, you know, a uh, a 40 year old in the 70s. But, um, you know, he Write that more down like... for me because I need you to recognize how it's saying that sentence. <laughs> OK, I, I'm just saying like he, his his look in this was like, yeah, yeah. Look at Leonard Nimoy. He's older and he's wiser. Yes, but he's still, I get he's it. Still he's still hip and cool. He's still, <laughs> you know, will wear like a turtleneck instead of like a, a suit and tie or something like that. But he's got like this cool, weird, like futuristic facial hair thing going on and everything. I don't know. He's got so like spiky it... hair. So how much time did you spend looking at Leonard Nimoy's body in this show? Well, not much, because he's barely in it. He's in, like, one yes. shot at the beginning, and then that's it. Um, all right. Well, uh, any final thoughts on Ancient Mysteries, uh, Max? I wish that there were more shows like this, because if there were more, there'd be a good chance that one of them was really good. Okay. 
All right. I'm, I miss the days when there were like five different what if this was true shows. Yeah. Those were good times. Now we've got like one of them. Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> what about you, John? I would offer that as pot gets legalized in more and more places, we will see more shows like this. <laughs> Red. <laughs> I'm into it. Let's legalize more stuff. <laughs> the television possibilities are endless here. I am excited about this. Oh man, can you imagine that? Oh, with the birth of like internet TV shows, oh. Yahoo Screen should produce like a in search of whatever <laughs> mysteries that maybe somebody mentioned one time at a party. Still better than yeah. a Kardashian show. <laughs> yeah. What so is a fire? <laughs> with baby kittens caught in it. No, that's horrifying. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> um, yeah. What? what uh, wait. Did, oh, yeah. What? What about you, John? Any, any final thoughts? Oh, I, I gave you my final thoughts. I believe it's up to you, did Mike, you, for some final thoughts. Did you give me my final? Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I was. I was the, the witty banter going back and forth. <laughs> the mystery okay. at play is who gave their final <laughs> thoughts today. Okay. Was it me? <laughs> was it John? <laughs> or was it Bigfoot? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I guess my final thoughts would be uh, pretty much the same as In Search Of, you know, maybe um, this one where, where In Search Of was really like, let's go do something crazy. This one was like, remember that thing that they did where it was like all crazy? Let's go do that again, you know, yeah. but maybe a little less crazy. And that's kind of disappointing. But, you know, once you're into it, you know, it is pretty much the same thing. And, um, you know, having that sort of 90s thing where it's like, this guy has this new technology. It's amazing. Look at the computers that we're using. You know, and, and it's that's kind of cool. Like in the episode that, that I watched on Bigfoot, like they're like, we're going to take this video footage to a post-production laboratory where they're going to sharpen the pixels and show us what's really there. And it's like, okay, yeah, that doesn't work. And then when they're done, there's a T-Rex in the shot. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> like, so, which one is real? You yeah. decide. Oh, I've already got it for the, for the next, whatever next show does Bigfoot. He's traveling through, or she, we don't know is traveling through some sort of dimensional portal. So it makes sense for that mm -hmm. picture to resolve with a T-Rex in the background. Oh, sliders. Yes, yes. Bigfoot <laughs> with sliders. Yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, on the whole, I, I'd say this is pretty much exactly the same thing as In Search Of. So if you enjoyed that, you'll enjoy this. Yes. And that's pretty much all there is to it. Um, all right. Well, uh, we have some, some feedback moving on uh, away from... Uh, in search of we have uh, a letter to to us from brad and he says hey guys sorry i missed emailing you earlier but i wanted to comment on part two of your nimoy series mission impossible i live in the dc area and i have comcast for tv one of the channels in the lineup is called memorable entertainment tv or me tv for short we have that do you have that john I'm in but the you're DC, in the D.C. area. So but, I yeah. ha but I have Fios. I do not use Comcast. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, it is like TV land done right. 
classic TV shows from when I was growing up. Things like the 60s Batman, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Twilight Zone, Quincy M.E., etc. I have found that a lot of these TV shows are better than the stuff that is currently being broadcast. Except for things like Big Bang Theory, of course, with a smiley face. I think he's giving us a hard time. I think so. Um, (laughs) He continues... I think you might be a robot designed to infuriate. (laughs) (laughs) And I live in the D.C. area, so there you go. (laughs) I'm hunting you down. (laughs) He continues. Anyway, I have been watching stuff that was on when I was a kid. I'm in my 50s today. And you know what I have found? That only a handful of the shows that were on at the time have aged well, at least in my humble opinion. In comedies, The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Mary Tyler Moore Show... Night Court, and perhaps Taxi. The latter two have Trek links. When it comes to dramas, Gunsmoke, 12 O'Clock High, which has a ton of Trek links, Star Trek, and Mission Impossible. Taken for what it was, it was an excellent piece of drama with many of the same holes because of 60s writing. Mission Impossible, the show, I can't take Tom Cruise so I haven't seen the movies, was a good piece of drama as long as you don't try to superimpose current day technology on it. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to superimpose current-day technology yeah. on it, but but definitely check out the movies. They're well worth watching. I don't get the Tom Cruise thing, whatever. But It's important to note that watch... you don't superimpose anything anymore. You green-screen things. Get with the yeah, times, don't, don't, Brad. Uh, I will also say don't watch the second Mission Impossible movie. Do not. Or the first no, one. The second one's awesome. No, it's not. Or the third no, one. That's a lie, first Mike. One's great don't lie too. to our listeners. Don't. They're lie. all actually. Good. You know what? Just watch don't watch things with either Mission or Impossible in the title. What about Mission to Mars? Don't watch that. You just sealed my comments. <laughs> I like Mission to Mars. Whatever. That movie is garbage. From the director of Mission Impossible, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's also anyway. garbage. <laughs> no, he's not. He's yes, made he lots is. of very good movies. Name two. <laughs> Mission Impossible. Okay. And nope. I won't say I won't say Mission to Mars, but how about Snake Eyes? Really? That was gonna be my example for why he is irredeemably garbage. <laughs> what about uh blow up? Or, or blow out. Or is it blow out? Blow out. Which blow one? up I think, I think is a Fellini film. I think you're yeah. thinking of, I think you're <laughs> no, thinking Antonioni, of blow right? Out. Oh yeah. Well yeah. it's not him. That's what I know, because it's not him. Anyway, he's a good director. Anyway, I am a Unix system administrator by trade, and I directly credit Mr. Spock and Mr. Scott from Star Trek and Barney Collier from Mission Impossible for my career choices. The other thing you didn't mention was the other Mission Impossible connection. Martin Landau and Barbara Bain, who were married at the time, left Mission Impossible together because of a contract dispute. From Lando's... Sorry. From Landau's IMDb page. (laughs) Eventually, he quit the series in 1969 after a salary dispute when the new star, Peter Graves, was given a contract that paid him more than Landau, whose own contract stated that he would have parity with any other actor on the show who made more than he did. The producers refused to budge, and he and Bain left the series ostensibly to pursue careers in movies. Thus, Nimoy came aboard as the Paris the master of disguise, replacing Landau's Roland Hand character. Uh, Now, why is this significant? According to IMDb and other sources, Martin Landau was Gene Roddenberry's first choice for the role of Spock, making Mission Impossible the second time that Nimoy had replaced Landau. 
Huh. I've heard stuff like that before. I'm not 100% convinced that it's true. I don't know. I, I kind of am. That's plausible. That's extremely I mean, plausible. The fact that Nimoy was in the pilot, like the cage, and that he had worked with, with you know, uh, Roddenberry before. And also I had heard that, like, he wanted, I don't know. It's I'm just, not 1% convinced that I care. Okay. No, but All but right. I but I am the, the reason the reason it works for me is because like Harrison Ford for Han Solo right was yeah. brought in just to fill out like a group of three even though yeah. he had worked with Lucas before so it's completely no. completely plausible to me that Roddenberry was looking at Landau and for whatever reason Landau wouldn't do it and so he's like oh hey Lenny you, you want to be on this thing and I, I can see. I could see that as a possibility too, but I don't know. Just, I mean, from what I've read and stuff like that, it kind of seems to me like it may have been more of a case of like, who could we get for Spock? Well, we could get Martin Landau, we could get this guy, you know, we could get Leonard Nimoy, whoever, and and then they ended up with Nimoy. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have to ask like Mark Cushman or something. He would know. Uh, good thought. <laughs> um, he, would, he would know. He would know. Um, uh, from Landau's IMDb page, he was Gene Roddenberry's first choice to play Spock on Star Trek, but the role went to Leonard Nimoy, who later replaced Landau on Mission Impossible, the show that really made Landau famous. He originally was not meant to be a regular on the series, which co-starred his wife, Barbara Bain, whom he had married in 1957. His character, Roland Hand, was supposed to make occasional, though reoccurring, appearances on Mission Impossible, but when the producers had problems with star Stephen Hill, Landau was used to take up the slack. Landau's characterization was so well-received and so popular with the audience that he was made a regular, just like Michael Dorn on Next Generation. I thought that was a rather fascinating set of facts. Thanks, Brad. Or Simon Pegg's character in Mission Impossible. Yeah, that too, that too. And I'll tell yeah. you what, Brad, I, I too am in the D.C. metro area. I extend the invitation to you. Neutral ground, neutral ground, uh, so that it's comfortable. Uh, look me up. If at any point you want to meet up for lunch or anything like that, I actually work in the city, so, you know, more than happy to meet up with you. Excellent. Max, we both live in the same town. Yeah. If you If you would ever like to uh, meet me for lunch... Um, look me up. I'm in the phone book. I'm not in the phone book, but that's okay. Does Are the phone still book still phone exist? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I guess not. But Max, I'm if you would sure ever like to I'm... get lunch with me, okay, um, cool. Yeah, don't. I'm, yeah. It's not happening. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, what are you? If they ever have a Star Wars convention in in your town, then I'll don't meet they? up with you for lunch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do. Like Star Wars, a lot. no. Star no, Wars, no. no. Star Trek. We get Star Trek conventions occasionally. Well, but come on, guys. Clue me in. Give me a reason to come out there. Come on. Uh, oh, you can come out whenever you want. I was just talking about Max. I don't want to hang out with that guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you should come out here. We could. Well, you know, um, September, the, the weekend of the actual 50th anniversary. Oh, my God. They're, having, they're, having, a, they're having a Star Trek convention here in Chicago. Sold. Yeah. Sold. I'm having uh, open heart surgery that day. Although, although I have, uh, I have a child on the way that's going to be born in October, so I don't know if I can really tear away. Oh 
God, it's well, it's really his child is performing the surgery. Yes. <laughs> you have no idea how gifted my children are. Yes, congratulations by the way. Oh, um, thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. We've decided well, this is, this to is, let the world know. Yes, it's very exciting, very exciting. But this is like 11 months down the road. So by then maybe uh the little one will be a uh, Star Trek fan his or herself. Or disowned. One of the two will happen. <laughs> Either, Either way, way, they'll have the keys to the car and can do what they want in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, if you do do that, that would be, you know, because like I have big plans for that September 8th, you know, like which is like the day before the convention. I've yeah. got a whole schedule lined up, which I, I came up with like a year ago of like the history of Star Trek. Cool. Like, we'll watch, including at exactly 730, watching, you know. The man trap, which was the you know that you know that he's going to have a kid. He's not going to have any free time for nineteen years. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's not true. I mean, I, I am an extremely ne- neglectful father, <laughs> so it all works out. <laughs> I don't buy that, but whatever. Anyway, thanks for the uh, email, Brad. We do appreciate it. Um, yes, yes. All right. So, so one one bit of news, not exactly creator related, but Star Trek related. So, whatever I'm, everyone else is talking about it, so why why can't we? Trek Movie is reporting that uh, it looks like the title of the new Star Trek movie is going to be Star Trek Beyond, um, which is interesting. No, it is. I mean, yeah, okay. So, is. Max, Max, you don't have any opinions about the title? Nope. All right. What about you, John? Well, I would say that uh, the way that they can truly make it wonderful is to make it Star Trek Beyond Thunderdome and tie the two franchises together, uh, bring Mel Gibson out of whatever sort of pariah-like retirement he has, and uh, actually have in a robot body. In the Thunderdome. <laughs> Why not? There you go. And a dog with shifty eyes. We've got everything that we need. Oh, well, why, why not just snap, use Tom John, Hardy? I got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the reference, but that's okay. Old school Simpsons. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, well, why might not just get Tom Hardy? Oh no, no, so no! It's no, a no. stupid idea. What's no wrong way. With you? No. Okay. Get them both. Why would you do? Why that? not? All right. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I I like the title. I like the fact that they're not using a colon again, you know, kind of like tying that into the last movie. I like the fact that the title is, you know, vague enough in sort of the Batman sense. Even There there was even a Batman Beyond where it's kind of like universal. It's not like Star Trek, the one where Idris Elba is playing a new villain character oh. guy or something. You like, know, uh, they're not used. They're not titling things like that anymore. All of Hollywood had a, had a colonoscopy. What is it called? Colonoscopy? No, that's yes. a, that's a looking at colonectomy. colonectomy. A colon removal. Okay, that would <laughs> be right. unhealthy. What about Avengers: Age of Ultron? Is there Wait a, minute. a colon? Isn't there? I, there's yeah. a colon in there, isn't there? Yeah, there uh, is. Okay, I, I don't see a colon. Well, not in the font stuff that they use, but if you were to write it out in just normal, you know, yes, there's a colon in there. But there's not in this one, which is cool. And, oh, you know, yes. like, like uh, you know, Max originally suggested and, uh, you know, no, we ran No, do not put that on me. Okay, but, you know, we, we were talking about calling it Star Trek, but using a three 
instead of the E, you know, to acknowledge that. Which, by the way, I I would like to think that they got this from us, although I'm guessing they just came up with it on their own too. But it, there was a, a recent article on Ain't a Cool News where they did the same thing. But um, but now 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 that it's called Star Trek Beyond, we just came up with this right before the show. Yeah, they could easily break it down and make it Star Trek. One three e y o n d make it Star Trek Beyond and stick the thirteen in there. I, you know so that nobody can that. see what you're doing with your hand and the pen right now. That's okay. They 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 got it. It's got still it. better. I I mean, you should work in Paramount's marketing department because that is you know, an absolutely brilliant idea compared to everything that they have come up with. You know that Mitch Hedberg joke about why people who find 13 to be an unlucky number should be really afraid of B because it's like a smooshed up 13? I, I hadn't heard that, but yeah. All right, cool. Works. I agree. Anyway, um, there was also a little bit of news that came out today um, regarding uh, Simon Pegg. You know, poor Simon Pegg. He's been on the front lines, you know, because everyone else is off making the movie or like, you know, JJ's off doing star Wars and Justin Lin's in seclusion right now, probably editing true detective or whatever. Oh, which by the way, I'm sorry. We should talk about that too. Did you guys see the trailer for true detective season two? Nope. Oh my God. I cannot wait. I didn't see season one. So why would I watch the trailer for season two? Watch season one, and then I will you'll watch the trailer I, for season two. I will just because I have a little bit of a man crush on Matthew McConaughey. So that's not the only reason to watch it. You should watch it because it's like the most amazing thing you'll ever see in your life. But oh, uh, wait, yeah. hold on, that's a bold well, statement. That's, that's a really that's, bold statement. That's a crazy. That's a crazy thing to say, Mike. But um, really, hey Matthew Max, McConaughey? here, 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 here. Here's really? but 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 here here's the thing, right? You want you want to know how good True Detective is, Max. I've seen the entire thing. I saw the entire thing before you did. Right, and Max, what did you think about True Detective? Oh, it's excellent. Oh, oh see, there you go. Wow, Max says it's excellent. What does wow. that mean? That means I'm taking the day <laughs> off of work and watching the entire season tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yes, watch that. But, yeah, True Detective Season 2 from Justin Lin comes out, like, June 21st or something like that. He directed the first two episodes. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, um, poor Simon Pegg having to do all this press for, like, Mission Impossible stuff. And, of course, whenever he gets in a press line, all that anyone asks him about is Star Trek. And he's like, I'm writing it now. I'm, I keep on writing it. What about Idris Elba? I, I, you know, so, anyway... People were asking him, he's at CinemaCon this, this weekend or this week, and someone asked him about it, and he said that uh, Idris Elba is playing a new character. Um, he's like, yeah, he's a, new, he's a new kick-ass character. He's like, because it's a big universe, so why would they keep on running into the same people? Which I thought was pretty clever. Yeah. And uh, he, he also did say that they're definitely trying to uh, capture the uh the essence of star trek and and its history and everything like that and and make it you know sort of about them exploring and going where no man has gone before and that's why one of the reasons why i think the star trek beyond title seems like it's going to make a lot of sense so that's exciting um but anyway so that's exciting it. that's 
the title I, and yeah, the idea. Honestly, they could call it Star Trek Junkyard, and I'm still going to go see it. So, oh, yeah. I would be more inclined to see that. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see a Sanford and Son set in the Star Trek universe. Oh wow! Oh, that'd be cool. Sold. Yeah. There's your idea for the new TV show that everybody is asking for. Is yeah. yes. There you go. I actually, it's an, It's actually. It's all of the ideas for TV shows because in the first episode, totally sees Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and speaking of TV shows and being tangentially related and everything like that. Speaking um, of things that are barely related to the subject at hand. Yeah, well, because why not? They just announced that they are currently in development on a uh, Galaxy Quest television show. Yes. Yep. Very Which strange. Awesome. Yes, but if it is as good, so. if it is as good as it could theoretically be, that means that there are no more rules left. Mm-hmm. Could be better Which than True Detective, huh? Which is why it's not going to be that good. It's just <laughs> that's just crazy. We shall see. Anyway, it's been fun talking about ancient mysteries this this week, but that's not the only thing we're talking about here on Trek FM. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. It's not an overstatement, and you had said in your introduction that without without him and his hand guiding all of this, then, then it's unlikely that two would have been what it was, and if it had not been successful, then it, it, you know, it probably would have meant the end of Star Trek at that point. Earl Grey. Like, I'm expecting Ricardo Martavon to, like, walk around the corner and be like, Captain Picard, welcome. This is Rise of Five! The shuttlecraft, the shuttlecraft. The orb. Curzon is involved with the Kittimer yep. Accords. Spock is at Kittimer when those are being talked about, so you would think they would have run into each other. They probably at least. hung out in the bar together. To the journey! One guy's like, why don't we just write better stories for Wesley? And then the lead writer's like, you out now! <laughs> the ready room. The movie series would not have relaunched and, and become what it was if not for the amazing bounce of. The Wrath of Khan. The Wrath of Khan was to Star Trek the same thing that uh, The Best of Both Worlds was to Next Generation. Commentary, Trek stars. It's also the end of a character and a thing that is really about how uh, death is just a part of life. And that while there's an end, it doesn't mean that it's the end. Literary Treks. Well, I always liked the... Uh, I like that episode for... I mean, it's one of the most derided of the of the original series episodes, but yet I always it has a place in my heart for some reason. I've always enjoyed watching mm -hmm. it over. So um, I wanted to do something with those guys, the Scalbians. The 602 Club. Like, I, I could kind of dismiss Droids in Distress and Fight or Flight and everything like that, and I was just kind of watching the background, but all of a sudden I started catching myself, like, stopping working and, <laughs> and just focusing on watching. And, uh, and so it just got better and better and better. And I think I was hooked by episode four, Breaking Ranks. That's when I was like, okay, I like this show. This is good. Warp five. In the history of Axanar, Alec Peters and Christian Gossett wrote a section of the history dealing with the Arcanus campaign. And in the Arcanus campaign, a majority of Starfleet ships were destroyed. 
And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can stream them from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Let's tell everyone where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on today's show. Just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to show and choose commentary Trek stars. That will come to all of us by email. You can also use the tab in the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And Webcam! You can and you can talk to us and other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekfm and on Twitter under username trekfm. I stole that copy from uh, Standard Orbit, which Drew reads each week. So the whole time, I kept on thinking about how Drew was going to say it, and it totally tripped me up. So I apologize. Get off your webcam and email us. There you go. Um, so... John, where can people find you? Well, you can find me causing trouble on Twitter at Kessel Junkie. Uh, and you can also find me on a weekly podcast called Words with Nerds, which is available through the usual venues of iTunes and Stitcher and Podbean and blah, 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 that I do with my friend Craig. And we have a whole lot of fun. Excellent. And you can find Max, well, nowhere on Twitter, right? On my maybe... upcoming podcast, Thirds with Kurds, where I talk about one part of trilogies with a Kurdish guy from my work. I, I'm sold. I will subscribe <laughs> as soon as you release that. <laughs> it does sound like a pretty good podcast, I have to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, you're not really on Twitter at all, except uh, occasionally you'll tweet something under at ComTrackStars like, uh, an explanation for why the the gray sports almanac actually works in Back to the Future Part Two. Thanks for that. What the hell um, are you talking about? Look for the X with a colon. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I like Ooh. my colon. It's great. <laughs> That's why I always drink lots of fluids and get a lot of fiber in my diet. Frosted mini wheats, yo. You're you're still in the prime universe along with the uh, commentary Trek stars. So yeah, that's right. Representing the prime universe. When the timeline change comes down, I will be holding it back. Yeah. You can find all of us on Twitter at ComTrackStars. You can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. Or you can email us all at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. And you can find me on TrekFM doing Standard Orbit. And you can find both Max and myself along with Brandon doing Commentary TrackStars Off Topic and Commentary TrackStar Babies. Neither of which have colons in them. Uh, Real over... quick question: What are you talking about with the almanac thing? Well, you 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 put out yeah. a tweet saying that the the reason why Gray's Sports Almanac didn't um, or or was still accurate despite the fact that history was changing in the alternate timeline of Back to the Future Part Two was because the book changed, just like the headlines and stuff changed. Because one of the big, one of the big criticisms of Back to the Future Two is that you know how like everything has changed. Why would these sporting events not change? I don't remember doing that. Right. Yet you did. You did. It was. was You did that, and then you put. And I know for a fact that it was you because at the end of it, you were like, 
but that's still a, a crappy movie or something to that effect. <laughs> no, it sounds like something I do, but I don't remember doing it. That's fine. You did it. You, you know what uh, time it was? You, I thought I was hitting the sauce too hard. Max, <laughs> you, you might have to take a pause here. Do you know what time that was? I mean, the exact time of day that you did it? I mean, no, but it's like there. It, w- it was early enough that you were not sleep tweeting. Uh, you know, uh, here, oh. it was on, um, it was five days ago. You You said, duh. The photos and newspaper, like the photos and newspaper, the almanac changes to match the future timeline. Hashtag BTTF2. Hashtag still not significant. Hashtag mess of a film. April oh 17th. Oh my God, I remember doing it now. April oh. 17th at 7.40 p.m. Central Time. I was right. driving. Wow, uh, you should I'm not a terrible that's person. Responsible. Uh, yeah. I know, I feel bad now because that's why I didn't remember doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the worst. All right. Um, anyway. The fact that it occurred to you just while you were traveling down the road one day. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find us on iTunes. Um, you can leave us a review there. I was just reading this thing about uh, podcasts and how to how to make your podcast successful. And he had a lot of weird, interesting tips, but one of them was like, Leave reviews. This is very important. Review yourself and get all of your friends to review your show. So we're asking our listeners, review our show, you know? I reviewed the show. No, wait, not this one. Yeah, you did the other one. Yeah. And then there's the thing where it's like, did you find this review helpful? And there was one person who was like, no. Because (laughs) your review was like, this is the best show ever. Anyway. But no, it diverted into a story about a spider being on my hand and killing myself. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I'm very proud of that review. It's hilarious. <laughs> We'd also like you to uh, support our sponsors if you'd uh, so choose. Uh, our sponsor for the show is uh, audible.com. Uh, audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. You know what I'm getting from Audible next week? Comes out on Tuesday. What's that? Lords of the Sith. Lords of the Sith. I can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be cool. I have to finish up the family Corleone first. Oh, mm, that sounds good. That sounds good. Based yeah, on a screenplay good. by Mario Puzo. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Lords of the Sith, it's Darth Vader and an Emperor and kind of like a buddy book thing going around, yeah. having adventures. Hijinks and Sue. It sounds like fun, actually. I don't know. We'll see. Darth Vader gets like a partner and he has to, to show him the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as the a Trek is FM... like, what did you do, Vader? You destroyed <laughs> half the city. More... I see it more like a midnight <laughs> run sort of thing. Yeah, oh, that would be really cool. That's fun. 
As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with the 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting commentary Trek stars and Trek FM. Almost said Standard Orbit. Oh, we thank you for supporting Standard Orbit, too, because why not? It's a good show. And lastly, there's another way you can keep us uh, oh, in orbit. Get it? Because it's for Standard Orbit. Um, and that's by uh, supporting us on Patreon. You are the robot designed to infuriate me. <laughs> if you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer for our shows. You'll also find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. All right. Well, that's it for Leonard Nimoy Shows. And we will all be back next week, hopefully. Actually, Max will not be back. Sorry. Well, John and I will be back next week um, to talk about all of them together in a nice little recap. Yes. 